Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 393rd episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Sandy, I got a bit of an update for you, man. Talk Another, to me. Uh, What's going on? One, one of those uh, those big life updates. Oh. So, <laughs> I don't think Uh-oh. I mentioned this on the I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but um, about a about a month ago, I, I took my car in for service, right? And I know I've told you about this, but for years, years, I've noticed that there's it's been a little bit weird with my car. So I drive I dr- I drive I drove a manual transmission uh, Honda Accord. It's 2014 Honda Accord. Bought it. Um, during grad school because my, uh, and I think I talked about this on the podcast way back then, the, um, they were, I took my, my old Civic in for a service and they had replaced the coolant and apparently they replaced the coolant under a vacuum. And when they drained the coolant and replaced it, I guess something messed up with the radiator because the next day I was driving, all of a sudden my engine overheated and um, it ended up because the, the car overheated the uh the pistons ended up warping the engine or something and it basically broke it basically destroyed the engine and uh the car was effectively totaled because the cost oh of replacing the, yeah the cost to replace the engine was just too high um so i ended up getting a 2014 honda accord and i was super um upset about the whole thing because i was you know early in grad school at the time i was probably making like less than thirty thousand dollars a year just wasn't wasn't the best time in the world to have to be trying to make a car payment, right? And so, sure. I uh, got this Accord. I made it work. Um, paid it off after like four years. Um, and so, fast forward now to 2022. Over the course of the years, I had noticed that there was an issue when I tried to shift the car into second gear. Every now and again, it would just kind of like it wouldn't catch into second so i'm let's just say i'm starting out off at a traffic light i'm in first gear i uh rev up i get up to like you know 10 miles an hour or something and i try to shift into second if i was at too high of a rev my car would sometimes just like wouldn't i couldn't catch second gear until the revs just drop down significantly or just bypass second gear altogether and just go straight to third it wasn't it wasn't great and anytime i took this in for service i mentioned it and none of the mechanics um were ever able to find anything and this is like over the course of like i'd seen several mechanics like several different um locations and no one ever really had a good solution or a reason as to why this was happening and so um last year i took the car in for service when we moved to illinois and they replaced the transmission fluid which helped a little bit but I quickly found that the problem started to replicate itself and it actually became far worse than it had ever been. So badly that um, earlier, like for the last, for the past few months, let's say like two, three months ago, the first time this ever happened, I tried to go into reverse and the car wouldn't do it. And so just so you'd like aware, so like in my car, it was a six speed manual transmission. The f- first, third and fifth gears are all at the top of the stick. And second, fourth, sixth, and reverse are on the bottom. And gotcha. so it 
I started to notice that I was having problems with the bottom gears. The stick felt loose in each of them, like they weren't, you know, the, the it, it just wouldn't stay, it wouldn't stick in, in right. And on occasions, I was having that problem with that, that I was having with second gear, with say like fourth gear perhaps. It wasn't as bad, but I did notice it occasionally. But really the big one was just going into reverse, which is kind of crazy because that's from a stopped position, not from like trying to match the revs from first to second or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I looked into this a bit and apparently this is a sign of a bad transmission, basically a transmission that's dying. Um, and if you keep driving in this state, you are putting more damage on your, on your transmission and eventually you're just gonna, you, you, you could very well end up stranded where you just can't get the car into any gear. So it's like, it's like one of those like symptoms where it's like, Hey, don't drive your car anymore. This needs to be fixed now. So took the car in for service, um, and I was told, "Do you want to just take a wild guess?" Because I can't remember if you remember the number, but it was it was high. What they told me this was going to cost twenty five. Twenty five, you said way yeah. higher. <laughs> so what? It, yeah, yeah. Now this is a two thousand fourteen Honda Accord. I bought this car. This is an LX version, which is like the the. Um, what do you, so it's the like trim? the base, it's the base trim, the base trim. Okay. They didn't make, they didn't make manual transmission and anything higher than the top, uh, the ba- base trim. Not that I was able to afford anything higher than a base trim back then anyway. And so, you know, but it had like a fair amount of features. Um, in 2014, like with Honda, rear view cameras became standard. Um, you know, the, okay. I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think there was a CD player. Was there? Yeah, there was a CD player in the car. There was a CD player in the car, but um, it had like Bluetooth, Bluetooth audio. It had it had like everything that I needed, everything that I wanted at the time, and it worked great. But um, they told me that this car, which I purchased for like before taxes and destination, or whatever, I was able to negotiate it down to like nineteen thousand dollars, which was crazy. And because it was like, you know, MSRP for this car was like 21,000 at that time, oh, maybe, wow. maybe, maybe even like 22. I got it down a, like really far. Yeah, you did. And, um, and it wasn't even like negotiation tactics that I was using. It was actually a tool called the uh, Edmunds Price Promise Tool, which a lot of other companies I have kind that. of competing tools with. I don't think Edmunds calls it Price Promise anymore. But basically, there are like you click the button and you basically get these quote unquote negotiated rates with dealers that they will have to honor. Yeah. And so I was able to I was able to get a this this price of like nineteen thousand dollars at a at a Conacelli Honda, which was like out in King of Prussia, I think. Near hey, Philly. no free ads, no free ads. Yeah, no, I know. Well, I didn't buy it from them in the end. I actually went to the uh, the 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 Honda dealership down in uh, Newark, Delaware, which was like you know I literally walked there from work. And. That's um, nice. I know it was it's like a mile walk. So I walked there from work, walked in there. I was like, hey. I uh, I got this this um, price promise like whatever from this dealership out in you know this kind of send kind of dealership out and whatever, but you guys are like my local dealership. It'd be great if you could uh, match this price. And I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I bought the car, um, for you know nineteen thousand dollars. And so they told me all this this long winded story to tell you how much they told me this this transmission was going to cost for a new transmission twelve thousand dollars. Nope. For a nineteen thousand dollar car, which of course nope. is not worth nineteen thousand dollars anymore, so they're like, obviously that's ridiculous. So what we would recommend is you getting a used transmission. Um, you know, you basically get a car that's you know been uh, scrapped more or less, but has a functioning transmission, 
and we could get that for you for fifty five hundred dollars. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like fifty five hundred dollars. Um, now you can like check the value of your cars nowadays. Um, you know, like Kelly Blue Book and whatnot. And um, my car was so according to like Kelly Blue Book, and this is with you know not assuming damage or anything like that to the transmission is worth upwards of like $10,000, which is also nuts to me. Uh, you know, it's it's the state of, it's just the state of the market nowadays. The used car market is still pretty high. It's not as high as it once was. When I had done this in the past, my car is supposedly worth like $12,000. So it's not down a significant amount, but it's down a little bit. Um, so I'm in this situation where it's like, okay, shit, do I, do I just fix the car and just just keep driving it for a bit? Or do I just get the va- this inflated value of my car and buy something new? And I really, really didn't want to do this. I really didn't want to get a new car. I It was just nice not having a car payment. I haven't had a car payment si- since Lane and I got married. I paid off the car like right around the time that we got married. So it's been like five years now since I've had a, is it five years. Yeah, five years since I've had a car payment. And um but it like I, I talked to Lane about it, I talked to you about it, I thought a lot about it, and I ultimately decided it would make more sense to get the new car now. Like I can't because yeah, yeah, just not gonna spend this fifty five hundred dollars on this thing that's that is it's not perfect either, right? Like I'm not gonna get another you know, ten years or however many years out of this transmission. I'm only gonna be able to get you know, a deflated number of years out of this thing because it, that transmission itself has wear on it. So, um, I'm, I'm car shopping. I'm looking into, looking into cars. I'm thinking about getting an SUV, right? I'm, and I'm also, I'm specifically thinking about getting like a midsize SUV because Lena drives a CRV, which she got after Gordon was born because she was driving a two door Honda Civic, which wasn't ideal for you know having a, a car seat in the back of a coupe so actually for the for the first bit of uh, of our marriage or of our marriage uh, of gordon's life um i drove us most everywhere before um lena got her new car she had him in the back of it i think once or twice maybe you know just a few times but for the most part um my car was was um the car that was taken and so she got the crv and it worked really well because the crv has has a pretty wide rear bench um it's the reason we, we basically wanted a, a sizable rear bench because you know at the time we were like okay maybe we want to have two kids there's a chance that we want to have two car seats in the car and potentially a person sitting in between the two car seats and we don't want it to be the most uncomfortable thing that these, these people who have to sit sandwich between two car seats have ever experienced and the honda uh, crv compared to like a rav4 or even like a Subaru Forester that we were also considering, uh, or the Nissan Rogue, just had a more had had, had more space uh, in the rear. So we we ended up getting that CRV, and so I just kind of picked up from where she left off. The other car she was thinking about was the Hyundai Santa Fe, and that was even wider than the uh, the CRV. And so the Santa Fe was like, that's the car I thought I was going to get. You know, even before I started like seeing things physically that was the car that i thought i was going to get and it was largely based off of uh, of our experience when we were uh, looking but also the fact that the santa fe has a hybrid model now the hybrid of the santa fe isn't the most uh, fuel efficient the, the the fuel efficiency of a santa fe is almost the fuel efficiency of lane is non-hybrid uh, crv and so the you know the fuel economy wasn't going to be fantastic it was going to be a little bit better than my accord but 
um, it wasn't going to be like I'm going to be getting, um, you know, I'm, I was basically going to be going to the, the, uh, the gas station just about as frequent as I do now. And given the price of gas, like when I lately, I've been spending over a hundred dollars a month on gas and I don't drive that much. I drive maybe 20 miles a day to and from work and then, uh, you know, run some errands here and there, but we don't really go too far. So, but despite that, I'm still spending over a hundred dollars on gas. So I'm like, is there a world where I can get an electric car, given that most of my driving is local and would be able to be just fine without having to even hit a quick charging station or anything? And I started to look in the, uh, into the prices of, uh, of, of electric cars, and I was like, I don't, I don't really think I can do this. Like a Tesla are, is out of the question entirely. Mm-hmm. But the, um, Have Tesla prices come down recently? No, they're up like ten thousand dollars from where they were like two years ago. <laughs> it's actually nuts. Gotcha, gotcha, the, gotcha. Uh, okay. The, the Model Y, I think, was supposed to, was like originally forty something, like in the upper forties, uh, and now they're like sixty thousand dollars, the cheapest. And they have a massive. I think they have a pretty long wait list. Although you know, I don't want to speak. I don't want to speak confidently on that. I just know I couldn't afford it. I never looked into like the wait time uh, for those. So. The nice thing about EVs, however, is that other 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 auto manufacturers have been getting into the EV game, specifically uh, Hyundai, Kia, and Volkswagen, uh, as well as Ford. So there are four there are four EVs that could be affordable for me. And as I started to think about the price of gas, like specifically what I'm paying in gas now, in comparison to what I would be spending on electricity charging an electric car. I realized that the uh, the price of an EV in comparison to a into the in comparison to the Santa Fe Harbor that I was looking at was actually going to be quite similar monthly. On top of that, however, EVs qualify for a seventy five hundred dollar tax uh, uh, credit from the federal government, and in the state of Illinois, there's also a four thousand dollar EV rebate that you can qualify for. So. There, there, there's like you know a, over like eleven thousand dollars of incentives that you can qualify for. Okay. Uh, when it comes to EV, so it's like, oh, okay, maybe this, maybe this is attainable. And for a long while, I wasn't thinking about this. I ended right. up catching COVID, as you know, and so I wasn't able to make it into any dealerships to to see anything. But I'm just sitting there like doing all this research. I'm reading online, checking out inventory. Um, the the Hyundai the Hyundai EV, which is probably the most affordable. Um, well, it's one of the most affordable affordable ones. There's the uh, in terms of affordability, there's the Volkswagen ID4, there is the Hyundai Ioniq 5, the Kia uh, EV6, and the, uh, the 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 Ford Mustang Mach E. That's in terms in in in, uh, in, in range of affordability to me uh, and and my budget. And realistically, only two of those could really fit into my budget. That's the the uh, the Volkswagen ID4 and the Hyundai Ioniq 5. The Ioniq 5 is damn near impossible to find. It just like doesn't it, it exists, but it's it, you you pretty much have to order it. Um, I see. And additionally, <laughs> because I've been doing all this fucking research on this shit, um, the the tax credit that you get from the federal government is only applicable to cars that have been built and assembled in America. The how Hyundai, realistic is that? So. 
it applies for Tesla, which they've already exceeded their their 200,000 car allotment to apply those credits for. So you can't actually get that that tax credit from Tesla. It applies to the Ford Mach, the the Ford Mustang Mach E, and it applies to the the Volkswagen ID4 specifically, the 2023 version of the car. The 21 and 22 versions of that car were assembled in Germany, so they don't qualify for that tax credit. Now that this rule is new, this rule only came into existence about three months ago. I can't remember the specific law that was signed into place, but I think the general idea was to only incentivize or to further incentivize American auto manufacturers as well as incentivize those foreign manufacturers to build um, factories in the United States so that they can qualify for that credit. Because it's, sure. I mean, it's a big difference, right? Like if you can take that $7,500 and, and, and apply it directly to your down payment, which is the actual end goal of this of this program, I think by 2024, it's no longer a tax credit that you would receive at the end of the year. It would actually just come off the MSRP directly. I see. Um, but it's it's a big difference, right? Like if I'm sitting here sure. considering a Volkswagen ID4 with a $7,500 tax credit, and I'm comparing it to a Hyundai Ionic 5 that doesn't apply for that tax credit. I mean, it's game over already, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so the issue, though, again, is that the, the, the Volkswagen has to be specifically that 2023 version. The, the Volkswagen just down the road when I was actually I actually accidentally went into their dealership because they're directly next door to the uh, Hyundai. And they, um, the way the building is, like I had gone around the building to park. And when I parked, I had come around the building and I was kind of in a rush because I was, I, you know, had a quote unquote appointment. And uh, I walk into the building and realize I walked into Volkswagen. And so when I realized my mistake, I'm like, oh, you know what? Like I'm, I'm supposed to be next door. But like, do you guys just have, do you guys happen to have the ID4 in stock? And they're like, oh yeah, we actually have two. And I was like, oh shit, really? I didn't think oh, I, didn't, you know, I didn't think anyone had the uh, these EVs because I wasn't looking at it at the time. Right. I wasn't really considering it at the time, and so they they were like, "Yeah, we do. Um, you know, you you know, more than welcome to take a test drive." I was like, "Well, I got an appointment, but um, yeah, I'll come back." So I, I test drove the Santa Fe, and it felt really good. It, was, it felt pretty nice. It felt pretty luxurious, and it kind of reminded me of like the Porsche Cayenne because the the front of the car, there's like the the center console is so massive and it's so wide. It's it it's like a it's a lot of space between you and your passenger. It reminds me of like a cockpit of a plane because you're so far from the person in your passenger seat, and that's kind of what the Cayenne's like. And so I drove it and and felt pretty, I felt pretty good driving it. I I, I liked it. I could definitely see myself getting it. It had like a blind spot camera, so when you turn like on that? your indicator to like the left, there on the your um on your um Is it left dashboard. or right. Yeah, if you let's say you indicate to the left, right on your dashboard, um, there's a little pop-up window that will come up, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it looks like. Um, you, I'm sure you can find pictures online if you're interested, but basically, in a little circle, a window will come up, and it will sh- give you a live camera feed from that of that that uh, camera that's mounted to your left um, your your side your 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 left uh, mirror. And so it shows you your blind spot, which is really convenient. It doesn't, you know, it's certainly not supposed to be a replacement for you checking your mirrors. But the general idea is if you check your mirrors, you don't have to necessarily turn your head around to completely confirm that there's a car there. You can actually check that camera, which gives you that blind spot monitor um, view. 
just in a camera version of it. And it does mm-hmm. the same thing on the right hand side. You click, you, you change, you flick the indicator to the right, and that same camera view will, sh- will show up on the right hand side of the car, which is pretty cool. Um, but so uh, after I test drove the the Santa Fe, um, I actually don't think I did it that same day. I think I went back the next day for the Volkswagen just because I had some meetings. I test drove the ID4. This is my first time driving an electric car, and dude, it felt really nice. It's so smooth. Like that's the best way I can describe it because it doesn't have gears to shift through. Like it's not even a comparison of manual transmission to an electric car, but really just like a manual and automatic transmission compared to an electric car. Because when you step on the gas, and this is my biggest, like this is one of the reasons why I didn't want an automatic transmission car. I can't stand when I get a rental car and I step on the gas because I want to speed up pretty quickly. If I'm driving manual, I will simply downshift. Like if I'm on the highway and it's say I need like, I need to accelerate faster than if I would just simply step on the gas while I'm in sixth gear, I can downshift to fifth gear and I would get a quicker acceleration, which would allow me to gain speed faster to do whatever I needed to do. And so in an electric car, because you don't have gears to shift through, all you do is step on the gas and like that speed comes to you instantly. And so I was like, I, and but like, it's not even just like in terms of the speed and get up the acceleration because it doesn't have ge- it doesn't have gears to shift through the whole experience from zero to whatever your cruising speed is is just super smooth there's no there's no there's no sound of the engine shifting through gears there's no sounds at all <laughs> like it's just the road noise and so i was like wow like i didn't i really didn't think i was going to like the id4 i thought if i were ever going to get an electric car it would be the hyundai ionic 5 but with the tax incentives and considerations that I was making, I started to realize that, yo, this uh, this Volkswagen might be the car for me. Now, the issue is that this was a 2022 car, and so I needed a 23. So I was like, you know, is there a possibility that you guys might get a 23 in? Like, at this point, they're all just reservations. The only, the, like, the only electric car stock that most dealerships even have to this day, at least around us, are cars that were reserved by people that you know, people put a, a, I think it's like a $500 refundable deposit on, and then they canceled it for one reason or the other. And so these cars still came to the dealerships, and they just want to get rid of them so they can get them off their lots. And so that was the 22 that I drove. And so I'm sitting there Googling around. I'm trying to figure it out. I actually had a major misunderstanding with regards to the tax credit, which I guess I can explain here just in case other people are having this thought too. Um so when I was when I read the the uh, the rules, the tax credit that you get from the federal government, it's a seventy five hundred dollar quote unquote non refundable credit for electric for purchasing an electric car. The way I understood that because of the way the the word like refund and whatever else it's and like a tax uh, uh, burden. I was interpreting it that I had to owe the government $7,500 at the end of the year. And therefore, the $7,500 tax credit would offset that bill that I would owe. But because of <clears throat> because of the way my tax taxes works out, or worked out, um, last year, Lane and I realized we actually have to pay, um, we actually have to do additional withholdings because of the calculations when it comes to our spouse working and blah, blah, blah. And so we end up withholding additional money from our paychecks so that we can come out effectively net zero at the end of the year. And so I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm being screwed over because I was withholding additional money if I wasn't doing that. Um, 
I'm not going to sit here and take you through my confusion. That's not the way it works. The way it actually works is if after all your deductions and such, you still owe over $7,500, over $7,500, whether or not you owe the government money, you know, you could be getting a refund. You could be getting a refund check for seven, for a thousand dollars. That $7,500 comes off of that tax burden that you owe the government to begin with or after, you know, minus your deductions and such. So let's just say you owed $10,000 to the government over the course of the year and you pay $10,000 to the government through your paycheck, you're coming out with, you know, zero, right? But if you bought an EV that year, that $10,000 gets subtracted down to $2,500 and you're going to get a check for $7,500 in the government. And so that was my major misunderstanding that I had. And it turns out then that I would, in fact, get a credit from the government for purchasing an electric car, but I had to do it right now. <laughs> the reason you have to do it right now is because in 2023, the law changes even further. So in 2023, it's unclear which automakers, if any, are going to qualify for the $7,500 tax credit, tax credit right now. So there are a couple of rules with it. One, the car has to be, I think, less than $55,000. Um, sorry, there's a sound outside. Um, the car has to be less than, less than $55,000. The second is that the car has to be assembled in America. And the third is a battery limitation. And this is where the difficulty, the complication comes in. It's not clear which automakers actually qualify for this one. The, the, uh, the, the lithium and I guess the major other components in the batteries have to be primarily sourced in America. And I think many of the electric car manufacturers do not do that. And so right now, the way the whole credit system works, you still like companies can qualify for a portion of the $7,500 tax credit. So maybe you only apply for half, uh, then then the customers can claim, you know, $3,700 at the end of the year rather than the $7,500 because they applied for partial. Um, that's how it was working in 2022 and maybe even 21 as well. But in 23, it's not, sh it's not clear which automakers will actually qualify for any part of that $7,500 tax credit. And given the uncertainty of it, I felt a lot of urgency to purchase this car in December of 2022 so that I can still apply under the 2022 rules and get that money. And so I'm sitting there scouring online. I start contacting all the Volkswagen dealers in my area and I find a few that actually, cause you can check like local inventory online. It's a little bit difficult because some of the inventory site or some of the sites will show you inventory because a dealership might be getting or might actually have a car but that car may have been a reservation and is actually allocated to a person already. So it can be difficult. So you basically have to get in contact with somebody to confirm that this car is in fact available. And there's a, a Volkswagen dealership that's like 30 miles, 30, 40 miles away from me that had um, two, they had two 2023s. One was black and one was red. And, the, and both of these were cancellations. Um, they were the exact trim that I wanted though. They didn't have like any additional features. Okay. And so I was like, all right, uh, I, think I gotta come down and check this out. So on uh, Tuesday this week, I, uh, I drove down and um, I was able to confirm that this car did in fact exist, it was there. Actually, you know what, funny, real quick, funny story about this one. When I contacted the, uh, when I contacted them, there's like, you know, you do it through via email, right? You just say, hey, this is my email address. Um, I like more information on this car. I did this on uh, last Sunday. 
And so I'm, I get hit back on Monday with a bunch of phone calls, a bunch of emails. And at this specific dealership, I get hit with, with someone from an email and they're like, Hey, you know, we do, we have, um, you know, I'm just curious, which one are you interested in? We have a black, we have a red one. This is the price for the black, or this is the price for them. And their price was marked up. And so I'm like, okay, you know, um, you know, you have, you have a red one and, um, the, and the black one, actually, he was like, actually, I think the black one is, is, has been sold. So we only have the red one and the price is like 15 or 2000 over MSRP. I can't remember what the number was specifically. I think it was $1,500 over MSRP. And so I'm like, oh, you know, no thanks. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's red, which isn't my ideal color. Um, but on top of that, it's over MSRP. And I, I'm pretty sure I can get MSRP because I'd already spoken to another one, um, at least one other in the area that um, was offering it at, it at MSRP. And I could probably get a better deal for the 2022 one that was in my, you know, uh, just down the street. So maybe that would be the direction I would go. But then I get called from, uh, I got a call later from the from the manager at that dealership. He goes, actually, the person, it's like an, um, not a, it's not a, I don't want to say a call center, but you know, whatever center, right? Let's just call it a call center where the person responds to the messages. That person doesn't actually work at the dealership. And he was able to see in the system that the car was reserved. But what he wasn't able to see was that the car had been canceled. And so the black one did exist. And he's like, it is MSRP. I was like, oh, okay, I'll be down there tomorrow. So that's how that's how I ended up going down there. So I, I drive down there. Um, I find out that they were not willing to honor my price because I was able to get a really good rate for my credit union um, for the for the uh, for an auto loan. They were going to charge fifteen hundred dollars over MSRP to to finance it through your own credit union. So I ended up financing Gross. it directly through them. Now financing it through them, it changes the price by like. 10 to 20 dollars a month i can't remember what the specific number is right now it's not huge but it's enough that i would pr i will probably refinance in a few months so that it and, and the reason i'd wait a few months is apparently it it's uh apparently volkswagen i guess would go after the dealer and try to recoup the money because they're not gaining they're not getting what they're supposed to be getting and uh, you just kind of screw them over so i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait a little bit i i got other things to do anyway i guess so um but yeah, I ended up going through it. I I, I went ended up going through with the purchase. I was given um you know decent price on, on the trade in. I was able to put uh you know fair amount of money down, and ultimately I'm I'm paying I'm paying an amount that I was that I'm comfortable paying. Um, or I don't want to say comfortable. I I I'm able to budget myself <laughs> to meeting. I I just didn't want to make a car payment in general, but um overall I'm pretty happy with the car. It's it's nice. Like it's it's really weird plugging your car in uh in, in the garage like that's that's the strange thing i didn't there's um so in terms of charging they're what they call level one level two and level three charging level three charging is the quick charging that's what they call dc fast charging and it's basically what like the tesla fast charging networks use um electrify america and a few other uh networks and they basically are able to charge your car let's say from like 10 or 20 percent up to 80 percent in around 30 to 45 minutes. Whoa. It depends on the charger, it depends on the car, but you can get a fair amount of your battery back in in that amount of time. They don't give you numbers up until 100% because that last like 20%, 10 to 20% is far slower. It's actually, I think, slower than going from the, uh, like it's it's quicker to go from 20 to 80%, that's 60% than it is to go from 80% to 100%. So it, may, it might only take half an hour to get from 20 to 80, but it might take another half hour to get from 80 to 100. Got it. Um, 
Although I will say today, my experience with it was was actually pretty quick. Going from eighty, to, I was able to get up to ninety six percent, and and uh, and it was actually still pretty quick. But anyway, they don't recommend charging your car over eighty percent unless you like need it. So on a typical charge, it usually you usually want to cap it out at eighty percent. And um, the the level one charger is what just plugs into your normal American style outlet. What is it? One hundred ten volts in our in our typical outlets. Yeah. Whereas like the European style system, or at least the English style system is 240 volts. Yeah. So the level one is, is 110 and a level one charger for my car specifically could take up to like 85 hours to charge your car from oh zero God. to full, which is nuts. Um, however, going from charging your car, like it, a level one charger would be more than sufficient if you, if I'm basically doing my my typical compute commute plus like a side trip here or there, right? Like on a given day, like maybe picking up dinner or something like that. In the morning, I'd be back up to the eighty percent. A level two charger would be able to charge your car from like zero to full in about eight hours. So a level two charger it would be nice to get one of those installed. However, you got to call an electrician. You got to get somebody to come in, yeah. set up a line, go straight to your circuit breaker, which in my house is all the way in the basement on the opposite side of the home. It would probably be on like the upper end of some of those estimates for when it comes to installing those, which is probably like upwards of, you know, close to $1,000. And then you have to pay for the charging the charging system itself, Jesus, which is like- Fees on fees on fees. Three to $600. Yeah, yeah, fees on fees on fees. And if you were to do all of that- um, given what I said earlier, you know, I'm saving like a hundred dollars a month on gas. If I'm doing all those, that's like a year's worth of gas savings, just installing this whole system. Sure. So I was thinking about getting it installed. And I think right now, all I want to do is at least get a quote on it. Right. I just want to get a quote on how much it would really cost to, to install a 240 volt, um, outlet in my garage just to know, and maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll it just basically experience it. That's my plan. I just want to experience what life is like with a level one charger for a little bit and see if it's something that I need. And if it's something that I need, I can definitely do it. But for now, I'm just going to stick with the level one. Um, I I One annoyance is the car didn't come with a level one charger, which I did not know at the time. It, you know, we talked a whole, about a whole lot of things at the dealership, but this was one thing that I guess just slipped through the cracks. Um, there's no charger <laughs> included with the car. And so that's you have so to gross at an external charging location. And in my area, because it's not like the East Coast, the East Coast has charging sp spots everywhere. In my area, there are a couple of charging locations, but they're not very many level three charging locations. And so if I were to want to charge my car, I would have had I would have to park it for like six hours. And there are places where I could do it, but I just don't really want to leave my car somewhere for six hours. That's not like my house, right? Like. So I ended up, act, I had to go back to the dealer because I needed their signature on one of these rebate forms. And I also needed to grab a couple of things that I happened to leave in my car, like my garage door opener. And so there was an Electrify America level three charger there um, in that same area. And when, I, when you get this car, uh, it's not just Volkswagen, but several other manufacturers, they actually give you free charging at Electrify America or at least some some type of incentive at Electrify America for a few years. And so with the Volkswagen, I get three years of, of level three charging for up to half an hour for free. Um, and and that, when that half hour finishes, at least for now, you can simply just unplug it and plug it back in and then it just it's free again. They say you're supposed to wait 10 minutes and maybe they'll change that in the future. But for now, you can just simply unplug it and plug it back in and it just goes right back to free. Uh -huh. um, 
but it works really well. I was able to charge from like, I actually got it down to 3%, <laughs> which was, which was really low. Yeah. Um, I, I was able to get from 3% to, um, I think a full 80% in, in under, in under an hour. So that was pretty nice. Um, I did get a level one charger delivered, uh, from Amazon. And, um, even after getting it down to like 40 or 50, I think it was like 40%. Um, it was, it was, um, I was at 80% about 20 ish hours later, which was not bad. So yeah, overall, overall, I'm pretty happy with the purchase. Um, I hope to not run. I have my fingers crossed, man, that I don't have any like weird EV issues. I did have one like driver assist issue today when I was, when Lena Gordon and I were going out today, we, we went, we did like a store run and, and got dinner afterwards when I was backing out of my driveway and my driveway is not steep by, by the way, it's not, it's not particularly steep at all. Yeah, it's actually quite flat at the edge of the, at the edge of the driveway though, right? There's that, you know, there's that little bump, the curb that to get into the street. As I'm going down that, my car, like the uh, the little radar signals or whatever that that detects, you know, when you're parking, you know, the beeping or whatever, it detected the ground as if it was a, an object that I was going to crash into, and it activated the auto brake system. Like it, 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 the car stopped itself when I'm backing out. I was like, what the, what the, we're all like, what the hell was that, right? Yeah, um, sure. So I realized what it is. But I don't like it very much, so I gotta uh, I gotta look into that to see if other people have experienced that. But otherwise, that's that's kind of been my experience so far. Um, that's awesome. I've I've only had it for five days now, but uh, it's quite the upgrade. Like I can start my car remotely. Well, I not really start the car remotely. The car, you know, it's it's electric. They don't really start like that. But I can start the climate control remotely, which I couldn't do in my old car. Oh, amazing. Because Look at all these quality a, of life improvements in your life. It, it's huge. It's great because it's cold. It's it's so cold outside. Um, you know, even in the garage, the you know, I just open up the app. It takes a little bit. The Volkswagen app is pretty slow, apparently compared to like the Tesla app. But I just open it up. I just flick the uh, the the climate control, and because it's an electric car, it it heats up. I say this bit like this is a fat, but I was told that this is the reason why in EVs the cars warm up quicker than a than a than a typical um, combustion engine car because uh, because it's electric, it's able to spit out hot air much faster than a um, than a standard car would. And so when I when I turn on when I turn on the heater remotely and I get in the car like three minutes later, three to five minutes later, like it's it's at temperature, like it's it's comfortable in the car, and that's really cool. So, um, yeah, these just like, I guess, little very small things. Maybe to some people, they're not they're not like a ma massive difference, but I guess given that my my uh, my Accord was a little bit older, it was a base trim and everything, um, it's a- uh, it's Hey, you're nice moving trim. on up. Oh, and heated steering wheel, dude, that's clutch. Heated steering wheel's yeah, awesome. It is. I love that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's been the experience, man. Again, not particularly happy that I have to do this, um, but I guess I'm fortunate that I can do it, right? Like I, I can do it, I, and, and it's certainly a significant upgrade over that Accord. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's been me. All right. Well, hell, congrats on the new car. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for being long. there with me through this journey. I know it's uh, been a lot. Yeah. I had a whole lot. I was, I was spamming V money with messages, dude. I mean, that's what we're there for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I didn't know that uh, our friend Harry also had a. Uh, does he have? Does he have an EV? He has. He has the Venza. No, uh, I don't think he has an EV. I don't think they. I'm not sure if they have an EV version of it. It might be a hybrid. 
Gotcha. Let me see. I'm just gonna... They do have a hybrid. I'm not sure if he has a hybrid version, though. But yeah. It's a nice looking car, too. I did see it. It's just a little bit smaller than what I wanted. So that's the reason why I didn't consider it. I see. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. I know, like you said, it's one of those things where like the unanticipated, like not only car payment, but like buying the purchase, unintended purchase. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it goes just to show just like how important financial planning is to be able yeah, to just no. like, all right, this is it. We got to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess it's another reason why you want to like try to live within your means to like live well within your means because when you do have these unintended purchases, it can really, it can really stress you. And I feel stressed about this. I haven't, I've yet to make a single car payment on it and I know it's going to be a big deal. It's a big difference compared to what I, what my typical monthly spending was like before. But I do know that with, you know, decent budgeting and I've like, I'm on budgeting apps right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that it's not going to be an issue. Um, so yeah, it'll, I'll be good. Well, I know you're going to be good. You're a, you're a smart guy. You know how to plan this stuff out. Hope so. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for sharing all that. That is, I know that I'm sure it's, uh, you, you know, other people, especially in this market are probably interested to figure out like, what's it like buying a card nowadays? Uh, yeah. given the it's, state of the world and how quickly things like move and all you hear is just like in the news like oh things right, are up right. things are down it's like what does that actually mean for someone who's like out there doing it yeah yeah for sure yeah i can actually quickly mention on that that specific point what my experience was like when it came to buying some of these cars because that's what i did i went in the first few places that i went into like i, I went to i went to a honda i went to a mazda i went to Hyundai, Kia, and I was like, you know, what, you know, basically lay it down for me, right? I know that negotiating is not what it's, is not like what it was, you know, when I bought my last car, right? So what am I, what am I looking at, right? I've heard that there's no negotiating. Is that true, first of all? Um, and what basically would it cost for me to buy a CRV, for instance, or a Santa Fe or a, a Kia Sportage? from you guys today right like just how much would it actually cost and they just kind of have their numbers right there's like they said there's really not much negotiating unless like like you can i'm sure find ways where you can negotiate but not not in the typical way that you would have mm. a few years ago however what i will say though is that in some instances there are cars like a crv which they don't really have any supply of and you have to you have to order it in, in those cases, they might charge you over MSRP. There are some, but there are many other cars. There are many other manufacturers who don't, who have the cars on the lot right now and there is no markup. So if you're willing to, if you're willing to, if you're, if you have options when it comes to the car that you're looking for, you can definitely find something that isn't, uh, that isn't, um, priced up, but you can also search around at other, like at um at other dealers if you're willing to drive for it and that's what i was able to do i was able to find that car at another location and just get there and get the deal that i wanted so there you go yeah all right so should we get out of here yeah all right well i'm reza i'm sandy thanks so much for listening we'll see everyone next week